Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Jeff Wickwire. Dr. Wickwire is the founding and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. For more than 25 years, he's been known for his passionate and practical proclamation of the scriptures. This message is from the eight-part series, Why We Celebrate Christmas. Now here's Pastor Jeff with the message entitled, The Cradle That Rocked the World. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And then it goes on to say, so all went to be registered. Now this was the sovereignty of God, y'all, because the Bible had said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So notice how the sovereignty of God was just moving events to get Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem by governmental decree where the baby Jesus would be born. So when we read these things, it's relevant because God is in charge. Amen? So this is what you call the, the sovereign guidance of God, and it's when you're being guided and you don't know it. You're being guided and you don't know it, but God knows it. Joseph also went up, verse 4, from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. Remember last week I shared with you that Jesus was also called the son of David, came from the lineage of David. So verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And now by now they've got furrowed brow. They're scratching their heads. How can you be telling me that the Savior is born in a manger? How can you be telling me that? But they were lying in a manger. Verse 13, the last verse, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, let's read it together, everybody. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him Merry Christmas and don't dare say Happy Holidays. I even had a little ordeal with an operator on the phone. After I'd asked for information for a number, she said Happy Holidays, and I said, No, Merry Christmas, and she got real quiet and hung up. But I got tired of the Happy Holidays thing. I want to call this today the cradle that rocked the world. How many of you can say that Jesus rocked your world? The cradle that rocked the world. It's always struck me as interesting that Jesus was born in a stable. Jesus was born in a manger. Now, if I was going to send the Messiah of the world, all right, God to earth, wrapped in skin, I would not send him into a lowly manger. But I learned a long time ago that God does nothing by mistake. 
He does everything on purpose. Every word he speaks is purposefully spoken. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knew what he was doing when he sent Jesus to be born in a manger, which was a feeding trough. It was behind the hotel where they were turned out because there was no room for them in the Holiday Inn. That's why the song says, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. There was no crib. There was only a feeding trough. Now I got to thinking about that. Why in the world would God allow that? Why would God sovereignly choose such a lowly place for Jesus to be born? I'm going to tell you why I believe he did it. Because it's a picture of another place called the human heart. That manger is a picture of the human heart and the need of a miracle birth in it. Because you see, when Jesus was born in that manger, that was a miracle birth. Because Isaiah said that a virgin would conceive. That's a contradiction in terms. But he said a virgin would conceive. It's a picture of the human heart. When Jesus was born in that manger, that manger pictured the kind of place that Jesus would be born in millions and millions and billions of times over again. Think about this. There's five things about the manger that parallel the heart without God. Are you ready? First of all, it was a poor place. It was a poor place. In the stable, there was no gold. There was no silver. There were no riches. There was no finery. He was born in a poor place. The only thing it was good for was to shelter and feed animals. That's where Jesus was born. The Bible says, likewise, that man's heart without God, are you ready? It's miserable, wretched, blind, naked, and poor. Give me a rich heart with no money over a poor heart with material goods any day of the week. If you've got love, if you've got joy, if you've got peace, if you're walking in the will of God and you are walking in his purpose for you, then I guarantee you, your heart is full and you are fulfilled and it's so much better than having a lot of money with emptiness on the inside. I was recently reading about Howard Hughes, who in his day was the richest man in the entire world and they were talking about in this article about the way that he died. And here's how he died. His fingernails were grown out like bird claws. He was so paranoid, he would not leave his penthouse suite, richest man in the world, yet he died alone and crazy. You can have everything, but have nothing. Or you can have peace with God and have it all. I'd take peace with God and live in a ditch, then be away from God and live in a palace. What about you? The Bible says Jesus was born in a manger. I thought, Lord, you know, you do everything on purpose. Why? Because it was a poor place, and a miracle birth happened in that poor place. It was not only poor, but it was a lonely place. Think about this now. All that was back there were the animals. It was the parking lot of this inn. And all that was back there were animals. It was lonely. I pictured it in my mind. Animals out there, just a few animals, and the whistling of the wind blowing through that stable. And you know, folks, today we live in a lonely world, in a plague of loneliness. Greater potential to communicate than ever before in the history of the world. We can communicate around the world in half a minute, and yet the suicide rate is at a record high. Lonely Hearts Clubs have jumped up like weeds. Personal want ads growing across America and dating clubs catering to singles are flourishing. How can that be in a world where you can communicate so easily, so swiftly, in such a myriad of ways? Because we're lonely. You know why? Because the heart without God is lonely. 
just like that manger. The heart without God is a desperately lonely place because it was made for God. You see, you can have everything, but if you don't have God living in your heart, that heart of yours was made, it was designed by God to fellowship with God. There is a great vacuum, a great emptiness, a great hollowness, a great shallowness in any heart that does not have God. It's like a creek bed with no water in it. It was meant to flow with God, walk with God, fellowship with God. And yet, the heart without God is lonely, just like that manger was. Thank God Jesus was born in it, and thank God he can be born in your heart. The stable was lonely, but not only lonely, it was a dark place. It was dark. Probably a single lamp or two. It wasn't well lit. Just enough light to tie up an animal and then go into the inn and find your room and go to bed at night. There was nothing out there. There were no street lights, no lamps, just little candles or lanterns. And that's all that was out there. And I got to thinking, God didn't do that by mistake. Because Jeremiah said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. It's dark. Jesus said, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Can I give you some news today? You can be totally blind in your eyes, but if you know Him, you've got the light of life in your heart. But if you don't know Him, spiritual blindness is the worst blindness of all. You're bumping into things all the time. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you need to be. Because your heart is blinded by spiritual darkness. And that's a fearful darkness. It's a darkness to be afraid of. It's a darkness to worry about, be concerned about. If you want to be concerned about anything, be concerned about any heart that does not know God. It says Jesus was the light of the world. He came to put light in the human heart. And so God chose that manger because it was a dark place. He was giving us a picture of what would happen to us when our hearts received him. Jesus said that man without God is the blind leading the blind. That stable was dark. It's a picture of the heart without God. But it was also an unclean place. Covered with dirt, covered with the refuse of animals. Jesus said the heart without God was just the same. Look what he said. Out of the heart. Out of the heart. You know, we don't have a war problem. We don't have a disease problem. We don't have a crime problem. We've got a heart problem. All these things that vex our culture. You turn on the evening news. What you're watching is variations of heart problems. Crime is a heart problem. Murder is a heart problem. Theft is a heart problem. Bank robbery is a problem of the heart. Jesus said the heart is an unclean place. Out of the heart, he said, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, stealing. All these things proceed out of the heart. Listen, I believe in legislation. I believe in using the law to suppress crime. But I'm going to tell you what we really need. America needs a heart transplant like America hasn't needed it in decades. We need a heart transplant. And there's one doctor who can go in and transplant the heart, the human heart, the heart of America. His name is Dr. Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. He changes the heart. And when he changes the heart, he changes the culture. He changes the society. He changes your life. You need your heart changed. I need my heart changed. Man's heart is just like this stable, unclean, full of filth. It needs a change. It needs a change. That stable was unclean. And then I got to thinking it was also undesirable. It was not a desirable place. The last place, the last place, a weary traveler wanted to stay 
was in that stable. Don't you know that Joseph's heart sunk when he was told there's no more room in the inn, but my wife is pregnant. She's about to give birth. I'm so sorry. There is absolutely no room in the inn. There's no room. We don't have any place for you. And I got to thinking God knew what he was doing there too, because how often do people say, you know, one day I'll come to him, but right now there's no room. There's no room in the inn of my heart. There's no room. I've got to do this, and I want to accomplish that, and I want to go here, and I want to go there, and I want to achieve this and that. And one day, when I've achieved all these things, then I'll have room for him. But you know what? I'm going to tell you what sends more people to hell than any single thing. Someday. Someday. Someday I'll turn to him. Someday I'll come to him. Someday I'll be ready. Someday I'll have time. Someday. But someday never comes. Because the devil is always faithful to give you a someday. A reason to not come to him now. What is the best time to come to God? The Bible says today. Not someday. Today. Today. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day we ought to come to him. Make room for him now. There was no room. Don't you know that Joseph said, well, where are we going to go? Well, you can go out back to the stable. You can go out back where the animals are. Joseph had been visited by God in a dream, and Mary had been visited by God via Gabriel, the mighty archangel of God. Don't you know they were saying, this is the best you've got for us? Going out back into a stable to give birth to your son? What is going on? And I can almost hear God saying, I've got a reason. I've got a reason because where he's going to be born is a picture of the human heart. The heart without God is so undesirable. When God is not in your heart, not in your life, you have no room for him that even the owners of the heart don't like it. Have you ever heard somebody say, I can't live with myself? I just can't live with myself. I cannot live with myself. What is that? That is because the condition of your heart is so miserable, so lonely, so wretched, so unappealing that even you can't live with it. You need a heart transplant. You need a heart transplant. Isn't it a good thing when God touches the heart? It's like a guitar way out of tune. And only God knows how to tune it where it can play a pretty chord. Think about it, the manger was poor, it was lonely, it was dark, it was unclean, and it was undesirable. I'm going to say those again. It was poor, it was lonely, it was dark, it was unclean, and it was undesirable. But watch this, then a miracle happened in that manger. First, a miraculous birth. Isaiah cried, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, that is God, who has now come to be with us. This was the beginning of change. The beginning of change in that stable, the beginning of change is when Jesus was born in that stable. Jesus said, if the poor, dark, lonely, unclean, and undesirable heart is to change, it must experience a miracle birth, folks. We need to be sounding this out from every pulpit in America. There is no other option. You've got to be 
born from above or you will never see the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about a born-again Republican, a born-again politician, somebody who has turned over a new leaf. No, no, no. I'm not talking about somebody that made a New Year's resolution. I'm talking about somebody who receives a miracle birth in their heart just like Jesus was born in that stable. Jesus said, you must, you must, there is no other option. And I'm going to go ahead and be bold today and tell you, Mohammed can't change your heart, Buddha can't change your heart, you need a heart transplant. You've got to be changed from the inside out. You've got to be washed clean of all your sin. The Holy Ghost has got to be breathed into your soul. Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Well, does that mean that I get rehabilitated? Does that mean that I make a New Year's resolution and that's how you get born again? No, because you can put a new coat on a man, you don't change him. But you've got to put a new man in the coat. Jesus said you're going to have to be born again. Well, what is that, Pastor Jeff? It's when you say, I believe that you died for my sin and rose again from the dead. I believe that you're the Messiah of the world. I come to you and ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And God sitting in the heavenly places breathes the Holy Ghost of the living God down into your spirit, down into your soul. And you are literally lifed, L-I-F-E-D, lifed. You are lifed. He sends life into you. And you who were dead in trespasses and in sins are raised from the spiritual dead, standing a new man, a new woman, because God gave you a miraculous birth in the manger of your heart. It's got to change there. It's got to happen there. Nothing really happens until there's a miracle birth in your heart. Don't you remember the day you did it? Don't you remember the day you said, Lord, forgive me, and suddenly something happened? A change began? The things you used to like, you grew to hate. The things you used to hate, you grew to love. I used to look at the Bible and open the pages and see all of these and thous and wouldas and shouldas and couldas and close it again and say, what a boring book. How can anybody ever read that? But once I got saved and the Spirit of God came into me, I opened it up and those words leaped out at me, all the promises of God, and something inside of me said, yay and amen, and reached up and grabbed it. What is that? That's the Holy Ghost that came to live inside of me. That's Jesus living inside of me saying, amen. You've got to be born again. That manger was all those things until there was a miracle birth. Well, then what happened when there was a miracle birth? Well, first, the miracle birth, then second, wisdom came into that place. It says there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. The wise men would never have visited Jesus, never have visited Jesus. They would never have come to Jerusalem if not for Jesus. Now listen, there is the wisdom of the world and there is the wisdom of God. Wisdom from God will never visit your house, never visit your mind, never visit your soul until you are born again. When you get born again, the next thing God begins to do is teach you and give you wisdom and lead you and guide you in wise paths. Wisdom came on the scene in the person of these wise men and they only arrived because Jesus was there. I saw that famous bumper sticker again this week. Wise men still seek him. Well, you know what? What makes those wise men wise who seek him? They didn't go find him. You never found him. Yes, I did, Pastor Jeff. I went on a quest for God. I read a bunch of books, and one day I came to the conclusion that Jesus was Lord, and I got saved. No, no, no. You were dead. Dead men don't seek him. Well, then what happened? Ephesians tells us that we were corpses on a slab, dead in our trespasses and sins. You know what dead means in the Greek? Dead. 
You were dead. Now here's what God did. God came and convicted you of your sin. He told you, he showed you, he revealed to you that Jesus was the answer. And wooed you to him. You said, I receive him as my Savior and Lord. Well, when you did that, you didn't find him. He found you. He tracked you down. He cornered you, I would wager. You tried everything before you tried him. And he got you where there were no other options. And you looked around and said, I've tried everything. So I guess I'll come to God. Wasn't that terrible? I guess I'll come to God. And he got you. He cornered you. He led you to him. And yeah, you did decide to receive him as your Savior. But the whole process was a process of the Holy Spirit reaching out to you. Wise men still seek him. It says of Jesus in the Bible, Christ Jesus became for us the wisdom from God. So wisdom came into that place. Everybody say wisdom. And the third thing that happened in that manger is worship filled the manger. It says the wise men bowed down and worshiped him. It says the shepherds bowed down and worshiped him. The heart without worship, folks, is like a bird without wings, a garden without flowers, a flower without a fragrance. We were made to worship God. And the Bible says that when those shepherds found him, it says they bowed down and worshiped him. And one thing that God brings into your life immediately, he brings wisdom, he brings life, and then he brings worship. It's as natural to lift your hands and worship God as it is to talk, as it is to walk, as it is to sleep, as it is to eat. God made us as creatures of worship. You're not doing something weird. You're not doing something strange when you worship God. You're doing what he made you to do. You're doing what he formed you to do. He formed you to worship him, to lift your hands and give him praise. You're either going to bless God or you're going to curse God. You might as well bless God. God. The dark heart curses God. The live heart praises God. Praise. Worship came into that place. This is what happens to the heart that's touched by God. If somebody has to look at you and say, you know, I don't know if I've ever been born again, count on it. They haven't. Because if they had been, they'd know it. Amen? The fourth thing that happened in that place is gifts were opened. It says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know what? That's a picture of the human heart. When Jesus opens gifts in our heart, the first thing he does, he brings life. Then he brings wisdom. Then he brings worship. And as you worship him, you begin to see that God has gifted you with gifts. I never discovered that I was called to preach and teach until I worshiped God. When I worshiped God, it opened me up to the revelation of God that he had also given me a gift. And the Bible says he's given all of us gifts, but you're never going to find them out. They're never going to be brought to the fore until you worship God and receive his son into your heart and have your heart born again. And wisdom comes and worship comes and then gifts are opened. And that is when God brings out our best and our greatest potential. You'll never be all that you can be until you worship God and belong to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at somebody who's achieving great things out there in that world and say, isn't that incredible? But I tell you, if they knew God, if they knew Jesus, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they'd do more. It says he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. I want you to say with me, I've got a gift people, they say, how can I find out what my gift is? I say, don't even look for it. Just worship God. And then as you have been worshiping God, ask yourself, what do I enjoy doing that is spiritual? Because you know, he made a duck to quack. He made a bird to fly and he made a dog to bark. I've got a dog. He doesn't quack. You know why he doesn't quack? Because he can't. And he doesn't want to. He wants to bark. There's birds in my yard. You know what? They don't bark. They sing. That's what God made him to do. 
It's not hard to find your gift. Just worship God. And as you're worshiping God, He's going to put in you a holy want-to-do. I didn't preach because I heard some voice say, Preach, my son. I didn't have any cloud formation in the sky. I didn't have God wake me up at night with some incredible dream, though I've had a couple of incredible dreams. No, no. It came in the form of desire. I was listening to a man preach one day, just sitting in a living room, listening to a man teach. And I had been doing nothing but worship God. Just worshiping God. And I was listening to this man teach. And he quoted a Bible verse. And when he quoted that Bible verse, something happened in me. This desire rose up within me to say the word. To tell it. And I had terrible stage fright. Terrible. I was in a speech class in junior college. I was so terrified when I had to get up and give a speech, I totally forgot the whole thing. In elementary school, I was in this little play, and I was supposed to be this tin man, and I was supposed to come walking out in this cardboard tin. And all I had was like two or three sentences. And I cluttered out there, saw all those people, and I just froze and forgot it all. Walked around, cluttered back. <laughs> My teacher found me in the hall. What's the matter with you? I don't know. I was like, you know, third grade. I was terrified, but listen. When God made you, he put something down in you that only the Holy Ghost can bring out. It's your gift. And until you sing like the bird he meant you to be, whatever it is that God's called you to do and be, you'll not find total fulfillment until you do it and be it. He opened gifts. All of a sudden, this place that was dark and lonely and uninhabitable, all of a sudden, worship, life, wisdom, and now gifts are opened. And then once you've got a holy want to do, go do it. Just go do it. Witness, pray, give, whatever it is, go do it. When I leave church, I feel better than I've felt all week long because I've done what I'm called to do. It's that simple. Doesn't matter if there's 10 or 10,000. Doesn't matter to me. I've just got to say it. Before I ever had a church, I went into the woods and I preached to the squirrels and to the trees. I really did. Say, you're crazy. No, I was beside myself for God. I went into the woods. I got far enough away where nobody could hear me and think that I was crazy. And I pulled out my Bible because I had to say it. Some squirrels and birds got great messages back in those days. You think I'm kidding? I did it about once a week. Practicing. I'll tell you who did hear me. The angels heard me. And God heard me. And God said, go ahead, practice, because you're going to need it. When God calls you to do something, you're going to do it. No matter where you are or what your situation is, you're going to do it. Because you have to do it. It's a divine want to do. And everybody has one. You just have to find it by worshiping God. Now, let me just tell you the last one. The fifth thing that happened there is celebration. Enter that manger. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they heard and seen. Celebration happened in that place. Listen, first it was poor, lonely, dark, unclean, and undesirable. Then a miracle birth. After that miracle birth, wisdom, worship, gifts, and celebration. What is Christmas to me? It's that. He changes the human heart. I don't know where you are with him. But I'll tell you this, the closer you get to him, the more there's going to be wisdom, 
the more there's going to be worship, the more there's going to be the opening of gifts, and the more there's going to be celebration. The further you get from him, the more you become like that manger prior to the birth of Christ. Which do you want? Life is short, and then you go to heaven. I want wisdom. I want worship. I want gifts flowing, and I want celebration, and I want life. Can we stand together? Father, we thank you that Jesus was born in that manger, that feeding trough, for a reason. Because it really is a picture of the lowly human heart prior to the entrance of God into that heart. We thank you, Lord, that as we look at the contrast, the difference that the birth of Jesus made in that manger, we know that he makes the same difference in the human heart. So we pray today, Lord, help us to walk in wisdom, help us to walk in worship, Help us to walk in our giftings. Help us to walk in a celebratory spirit, celebrating heart, because life is in us for Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message by Dr. Jeff Wickwire. We trust that it has encouraged, challenged, and taught you truths you can walk out on a daily basis. For more information about Pastor Jeff and Turning Point Church, or to find more great teaching like this, log on to www.tpcfamily.org. Remember that the Word of God abides forever.